Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? A lot. A lot of stuff going on. Um, most of it kind of small, but just a, a few updates on like things I've been kind of talking about on and off for a while. We had interns start last week. Uh, last Wednesday. Uh, so we've had them for eight days or six business days now. Um, lots of work going on there because we have six dev interns and I'm, I've kind of been scrambling to like design. Like it, you start interns with kind of practice projects, right? So each project takes maybe a day or two. With six of them, that means I've had to design like 30 or 40 features, like really, really minor things, but it's just kind of a slog, you know, staying ahead of six people on that. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And, you know, if, if in every time something gets deployed, there's an update in Slack that's like, this just got deployed. And it's just like a barrage all day of deploys going out. So it's cool. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Again, all minor stuff. But you've got an intern this summer, right? Like, how's that going? It's going well. I, I you know, I, I was going to say something... I I don't have to be ahead of her because I'm not we're basically the the format for the internship is answer, you know building a go to market plan which the way you build a go to market plan is you ask questions and answer them and so most of what I'm working what I have her working on is not urgent for me in the business right now and I'm comfortable with her taking her time asking you know let's just call less sophisticated questions to start with answering them and then asking more sophisticated questions. And uh, the main thing I have to do is be there when she hits a question that it's better for me to answer than for her to research. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, it, that's actually been really fun. So, but it's, it's, it's uh, so I've, I've loved it. Honestly. Yeah. I know she's like technically on board for one day a week. Do you feel like that's what she's doing or are you, you getting more out of her than that? she's, she's doing a lot of work and I don't, I haven't asked her how many hours. Um, but I get the impression she's doing whatever it takes to, she's, she's maxing her learning out, uh, to the point of like, Hey, I need a break. Yeah. That's smart. I'm generally opposed to unpaid internships, but in this case, she probably had something else lined up for the summer and it fell through. And it's not like you went out and recruited her. She kind of came to you and said, I need something to do this summer. And in this case, it just seems like making the best of a bad situation is for her to put as much into this as she can probably. Totally. And I, I think in, in this particular case, I'm, I'm not taking advantage. I'm, I'm actually investing a significant amount of time and there's a theme for her to learn, which is around uh, customer uh, idea validation, uh, customer interviews and idea validation. And so there's a theme through each of our weekly, we have a one and a half hour meeting every Wednesday where um, half of it is, sort of talking about that theme and the rest is working through the project. So I, I kind of, it, it seems at least from the feedback I've gotten so far uh, from her, it's a mutually beneficial situation. Um, and, but I, but I do worry that, you know, at some point, like <laughs> there's not so much, you can't just keep teaching, right? Like, yeah, she's going to have, she's got her, her benefit from, you know, doing free work is, or non-paid work is is uh, it will reduce over time. 
Yeah, although I think there's two reasons why unpaid internships can be unsavory. One is they're not like getting enough out of it. I I wouldn't worry about that at all in this case. I think that type of problem is like, go get me coffee, you know, go do the printing for us. You don't have any of that work. It's pure stuff she can learn from. The other one is it can be a kind of equity and diversity problem that only certain people can afford to work unpaid. But again, you weren't going to have any intern this summer. So it's it's just such like a weird circumstance that I, I think you've got nothing to worry about here. Totally. Um, and I struggle. I'm not on the same like level of dis- like uncomfort, discomfort with non-paid internships from a, I, I, re- I certainly recognize the, the downsides to diversity and then also to just sort of just naturally discriminatory. Um, but like that, that exists across all jobs um, and hiring practices. So uh, it's what I'm struggling with is um, one, one is like, I'm enjoying it so much that I have to like, I'm having trouble really being, um, I guess, honest with myself that it's a re- good return on time. Uh, <laughs> does that make sense? That's like, okay I'm, though. You're allowed to yeah, have fun. Not everything yeah. has to have a return. <laughs> totally. Totally. So like, but, but it's interesting. Like, um, I just got an email from Duke and apparently there are a lot of Duke kids who, you know, I shouldn't say kids, Duke young adults who are, you know, in, co- you know, rising sophomores, juniors had their you know internships canceled. So I'm in touch now with an, a Duke student who wants like a 10 week internship, um, non-paid. And, uh, I'm trying to evaluate now, like, should I, should I offer yeah. a second internship? I mean, that's tough because to, to say you're allowed to have fun with something, that's true, but you, you can't let, you know, oh, you have an army of interns and there's 20 of them this summer and you do nothing but mentor these people. That's, there comes a point where you, it's, you're wasting, you know, your good time. And I mean, obviously that's a decision for you to make. I, I would probably, if I were in your shoes, I'd lean towards just stick with the one for now. I feel, um, I feel like I'd be letting this person down though. I don't know. I feel this obligation to help if I can, if I can find a project, um, that adds value. And if I can repeat the same situation, I do feel this like obligation to invest an hour or two a week into someone if they're willing to do the work. But back to what you said earlier, your point about there's problems across the whole hiring spectrum. Like there are a lot more people than this one person from Duke. And if you're doing this out of a sense of charity, picking a Duke student is probably not where you start uh, kind of donating your time. Well, I, I guess um, it's less about uh, charity and more about like uh, Duke bond. Does that make sense? Like I just, Ugh, like, I, I, hey, I know it. you hate this stuff, <laughs> but like I, you know, I've been helped by a lot of Duke people and, uh, you know, this yeah, is these are this, the chains of inequality we have to break, Rick. This yeah, is I, bad I, for the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Um, but there is like, I mean, you, you could say the same thing about family ties. Like, oh, I know, totally agree. Fuck family. Yeah, all yeah, day. yeah. Exactly. So my, my dad, my parents are listening to this. They happen to be good parents, so I like them. But if they were bad parents, I'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, but yeah, I um, t- long, short answer is it's going great, and I'm I look forward to our to our meetings. Cool. Cool. Um. Next up on my list here is, so last week we talked about, I kind of had this idea for like automation on the product side, and I was really excited about that going into our podcast episode yesterday, uh, last week. We talked about it. I got even more excited. I kept talking about it with more people. I'm still very excited about it, but his, it's, it's one of these things where 
you realize it's such a big idea, or it can be taken in any number of different ways. And I think there are probably three-ish core directions it could go. Um, and they're not mutually exclusive necessarily, but you know, we're not Google. We don't have 10,000 people to throw at this. So uh, I'm trying to focus on which of these three different interpretations of this automation project should we go after. And I thought you'd find this funny that uh, one of them, we effectively just landed on something very, very similar to Sparse, which is this old product that I started and then abandoned a couple of years ago. Um, it would be pretty different. It would be built into our current product and like it wouldn't be this whole other thing. But I was I was de- designing mock-ups for like, if we went that route, what would it look like? And I spent about an hour on these mock-ups and I took a step back and I was like, that looks exactly like Sparse. <laughs> what What is the high level like problem or user job that you're looking at? Um, the main thing is like, so we were talking about automation and you take an action and that triggers some other action. And one of the things that's like a limiting factor in our current product to prevent this from working, I, I, I did a brainstorming session with some people on the, on, a, on the team saying like, what would the actual automations be? And a huge number of them came down to tasks. It's like you take an action and then create a task for yourself to do something, or you complete a task and then some action should happen. The problem is tasks are the weakest part of our current product. So it's not good enough of a feature right now to build an automation workflow on top of it. So this isn't exactly, you said like user problem or whatever, but basically our task list sucks. So I was going through the exercise of if we need to redo our tasks, what would it be? And then that took us into about 75% of the automation, uh, use cases we came up with, you wouldn't need automation to do. We could just build for that use case Mm -hmm. and make a task. Basically what it would be is we're going to make tasks for you to be like, uh, you know, these people, these contacts in your lead list are getting stale. Go do something about it. And we could do it like way simpler. If we said this can't do anything in the world, but it's like the five most common things, we could maybe do that in a much simpler, easier to build, easier to use way. Cool. Interesting. um, where, yeah, what's I'm really the next step on that? It. I think what we're going to do, uh, my brother and I kind of have a pattern with product strategy, which is allow yourself to think super big picture. Design like 10 years from now. If we just do nothing but work on this, where could it be? To like let the creative juices flow sort of, and then pull back and say, what's like the most important insight that came from that? How can we do that in three or six months? Cool. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So you're basically going to go like, you're going to go design like you've never designed before without constraint and see where you end up and then work backwards. Cool. Yeah. And this is my shit. I just love this kind of very high level. I shouldn't say high level. Like I'm, I'm designing real interfaces, but like not being constrained by resources at all is such a fun thing. Yep. Um, and then my kind of final update on like previous stuff we've talked about is just growth i don't i don't know if the rest of the SaaS world is like this but may was a pretty normal month for us um you know april we had our first negative month ever basically but or i'm sorry march we had our first negative month ever but it wasn't that negative because the first half of march was good before the pandemic really kicked in then april we had a pretty legitimately bad like we lost i think 30,000 30 40,000 dollars in uh, arr in april it's a lot more. It's almost a hundred thousand if you compare what should we have gained relative to what we lost, um, 
And then May comes along and we're like, it's not going to be quite as good as we probably would have projected at the beginning of the year for May, but it's not that far off, uh, which is weird. I don't know. Good for you. That's good, right? It's it's definitely good. Um, we're in this interesting situation right now where we cut a lot of costs in anticipation of a major recession. I still, I think you and I both are on the same page that maybe that recession will still come. I'm not trying to get like a false sense of security here. But even if we dropped 5 or 10% in revenue, we'd still be more profitable than we were before due to the cost cutting. Um, and some, one thing I've kind of put some time into thinking through, I, I'm trying to model this out and be like, does that mean we're actually better off than we would have been? And the answer keeps being no in the, no in the long term. But yes, in the short term, and I, this is going to sound like an obvious insight, but it like wasn't intuitive to me. I had to run the numbers, figure it out. The key is we are more profitable than ever before for as long as we keep our costs cut. As soon as we return to giving people raises and stuff like that, not only do we lose the benefits of the cost cutting, but we're, we're behind where we would have been if none of this had ever happened. So 2020 actually looks pretty good financially. We're probably going to have our most profitable year ever, even if there is a bigger recession coming but it's almost impossible we have to model out huge growth to catch up for 2021 and 2022 to work out for us yeah you're gonna have to pay for it in future years yeah so it's none of it's like business threatening or anything but it's weird looking at we have more cash than we've ever had and less ability to pay our obligations next year than we've ever had (laughs) yeah yeah totally well assuming that you grow like you were supposed to grow yeah. Because well, uh, assuming there was hires in there that you were planning on hiring with the growth. And if you pull out of those out those costs, it's still it's still in it's the- still bad. Um, it's not terrible. But the, the biggest cost is we we normally we give kind of guaranteed raises to every employee every year. Uh, and it's pretty easy to be like, we're in a recession. We're going to stop that. But if we wanted to, like, catch up to where they should have been, that's very, very difficult. Um, and we don't have to. Right. Everyone understands where the world is having a shitty year, maybe maybe you don't ever get made whole for what happens as long as eventually we get the raises back. But it's just weird looking at like, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars in our bank account and can't afford to give raises. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. Do you... Um, well, I, I feel like relative to like worst case scenarios, this is a good situation to be in. And I guess uh, we're not out of the woods yet. I mean... Mm-hmm. I'm, gosh, I just have this gut feeling, man, like that something bad's about to happen with the economy. And I, I just, uh, I can't explain it other than I have a gut feeling and I feel, yeah. I feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better. I agree. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see though, what, like the economy is reopening. A lot of people are saying, oh, there's going to be like this huge spike in cases and maybe, but Nobody knows, like, will summer, the warm weather, the outdoors, will that mitigate stuff? It's possible we've actually got a summer of stuff being okay before it becomes a problem again. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel this way independent of COVID. So, like, assume no, like assume that this worked and solved the problem. I still feel like there's just all kinds of second and third order effects happening that um, are, 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 are going to chain and we, aren't, we don't even... I think the ability to predict right now is as unpredictable as ever. And that scares me. I a hundred percent agree. The nice thing about being a startup is there's so much room for growth 
that even if like all the macro trends are going down, like you, for example, going from effectively zero customers to 50, maybe not in a recession, you'd go to 100 instead of 50, but like you're going to be growing either way. Um, Anyway, I totally agree with you. I have the exact same gut feeling, but there's also a certain empowerment of like, we're such a small part of the market, it can still work for us potentially. Totally, totally. Yeah, I would say my concern is not for myself uh, and and leg up health in this particular case. It is much more for like the people around me and yeah, the country and the and sort of the global. I don't know. Just I guess the, the potential unrest it could cause. Absolutely, that's not a constructive thing to spend time thinking about, yeah. but it's it's hard not to. Anyway, yep. Um, <laughs> Those are kind of my updates on like what like previous things I brought up that have been uh, evolving. How, how about you? Yeah. So um, I just wanted to say that I don't know if anyone listening out there has had the chance to take a legitimate vacation. I, I did over the Memorial Day break and I I hadn't I Sable and I hadn't taken a real vacation since well before the coronavirus issue. And we actually canceled two vacations prior to Memorial Day because of coronavirus. So this was a like the first time that we had a moment to sort of say, I'm not going to worry about work for a, a, more than one consecutive day. And it was awesome. Like, I think it totally got us centered. And um, I, I think there are a lot of people out there who probably are in the same boat where vacations got canceled and didn't get replaced. And when you're sitting in a condo uh, consecutively for eight weeks, 1,200 square feet, uh, two people, you don't realize like, and then working the whole time, you don't realize how um, how, uh, how how dulling that can be. And I, it was really great. So I'm I'm ready to go on another vacation in a few weeks. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I encourage I encourage everyone to do it. I don't know if you did. You do anything fun for Memorial Day? I, n- I never do Memorial Day is not a holiday that I like have any particular celebrations around or anything. Um, so, no, I didn't. But I, I get your point. And I've I've kind of been thinking about this myself, especially, again, living in an apartment. I do wonder if, if you or if I lived in a house, maybe it'd be a little bit easier to just go out in the backyard and relax or something. But I've been thinking a change of scenery would be nice. And a couple people I work with. Yeah, t- to your point. Nobody's taking vacation. A couple people took like a day or a week and they said exactly what you're saying. They're like going in Slack, like reminder, everybody, even if you don't leave your house, even if you just stay there, spend a week not working. It's so hard to do in your home environment unless you have a house. It's just hard. That takes a lot of discipline. But yeah, to take a break, turn yeah. off. Yeah, I need to do this because even I've been working a lot more on weekends also because I like to take a nap a lot of days. And then I'm like, okay, well, the, the consequence of that is I'm going to work. If I'm going to sleep during work hours, I'm going to work during personal hours. And it does blur things quite a bit. There is no shame in doing a snooze. <laughs> can you read that? Yeah, yeah, I can read that. <laughs> I've got that on a pillow right behind me. <laughs> um, another uh, update for me is I am officially focused on acquiring clients. So um, it took two weeks longer than... <laughs> Than I expected to wrap up V1 of the uh, platform, the service and the platform. Um, but that's done. All the all the client, my existing clients and users have been onboarded. So I've got uh, just quick stats. I've got ten users, uh, eight of which are clients. 
um, and I'm adding a an eleventh user and client. Uh, I added that last week. I'm I'm onboarding them, finalizing that onboard. But um, I'm now uh, focused. Um, I did my first non-beta client last week. Lots of learnings. Uh, it was it, it was sort of two t- types of customers that I can get. One is a customer who uh, our client that that do, that does not have coverage and needs to shop and buy or does have coverage and still wants to shop and buy. So I call that like the new client who needs coverage uh, onboarding, you know, kind of coaching process. And then there's the new client who has the coverage already and wants to keep it onboarding process. And the vast majority of my beta users were in the second category. Super smooth. Like, hey, you like your health insurance? Great. I'm going to basically, everything's going to stay the same, except your life's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fill out this form, go through this. I'm here. Let's go. Like one call if if a call is necessary. Um, but this 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 first beta, non-beta client that I added was in the first bucket. And they um, uh, had a situation where they, they, they needed to, they were losing coverage um, and they needed to buy an individual plan for the first time. And that took significantly more effort. Um, I think it was three phone calls uh, slash online meetings and significant, uh, still sort of significant uh, email exchanges going back and hmm. forth. Yeah, I can imagine because picking health insurance is a pretty, not just important, but also emotional decision. And they're not going to do that like on a whim, I imagine. No. And uh, yeah, and it's complicated, man. Like it's it's emotionally complex. It's it's just naturally complex. Uh, and then you've got um, all, co- it's complex at every angle. Like the decision to buy is complex and then figuring out how to actually buy it. Like, mm. act, like the process of buying it is complex. And do you feel like you, I guess there's two sides to this. Did you put in an amount of time that's sustainable and did you provide enough value that the customer is really happy with it? I, I feel like you must have accomplished that second one, right? Um, yes. Uh, so, so first question, um, did I do something scalable? I would say that what I did was not in any way repeatable by a health insurance coach. Um, so scalable, no. Did I do something valuable? I, I, I believe so. But until I sort of get through this fully with the client and ask for some uh, feedback, I won't really know. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine a normal health insurance agent is doing what you just did, though. Do you agree with that? I think a normal health insurance agent is going to be much more pushy less patient and probably not nearly as education focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I think I did that pretty well. I do think like there were a couple, there were the biggest learnings I have are related to, you know, when you start a, pro- a, a, a process to onboard or, or bring on new clients, I, I don't want to use the word sales process here because that's not what I'm trying to do. That, like I am anti-sales at this business. We are not selling anyone. Um, uh, so it, you know, what we need to do is, it's very important in the beginning of a process when you're when you're trying to attract a client to lay out how things are going to work. And my I did a, I don't think I did a good job of that in the first conversation. Um, I, I sort of left out some really important um, questions and sort of high level. Let me give you a view of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So one of those was 
like timeline, like there's some important dates to, you know, qualify for certain things and health insurance. So I didn't cover that in the first call, which caused me to have to like follow up with another call. Um, so there, there are opportunities for improvement. And then also from a scalability standpoint, but also from a um, piece of like, if, if I'm delivering, if my value proposition is peace of mind and reduced anxiety, I think I missed opportunities to further reduce anxiety through the, about the, around the process early on in the conversation, which I'll take into the next client. Yeah. That's awesome to have such clear ideas on how to, like probably what you did was already better than what they could have gotten anywhere else. And there's, it sounds like a million ways to make it even better still. So that's fantastic. Totally. So, um, that was cool. Um, I'm, I'm spending most of my time now, um, thinking about planning out how to go acquire the 50 clients. I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm someone who likes to, I don't like to just go do things generally and ref, like see if they work. I like to think about, visualize how they're going to work mm-hmm. and then sort of create a, a a plan to go do a lots of those activities and then reflect. So I'm in the planning, I'm sort of writing down all the things I need to do. I need to try to get 50 clients and probably early next week I will be, I will start executing that plan and um, hopefully by by uh, the next episode, I should be able to report on you know, success. Cool. Do you earlier you mentioned there's these two types of customers? One already has insurance, and the other doesn't. Do you know? Are you targeting one more than the other with this plan? I am intentionally not. Um, uh, I think naturally I will sort of find people who are already buying health insurance because of the way that I am positioning myself. Mm-hmm. If you don't already buy individual health insurance, you don't really get the value proposition, but I won't be intentionally saying like, or discriminating in favor of those, those two people. Cause I was like, I'm sure you're way ahead of me on this and you've thought about this and this seems obvious to you, but as you're talking about this, the thing that kind of lights up my brain where I'm like, this sounds really exciting is when the, the first type, the type that's easy where they already have an insurance policy there's no event that happens that causes them to find you. The other type might be harder, but like there are very few sales or you're not doing sales, but that type of, there are very few buying journeys with such a clear moment that they're a buyer, right? With CRM, it's like probably people have been thinking about it for a while and eventually they pull the trigger with you. It's like they got fired or they got married or like there was a very definitive life event that caused them to go looking for insurance. And that just creates so many marketing opportunities, I feel like. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's that's ultimately what my what the intern is going to discover is there's these these, these there's these inflection points on the customer journey that we need to be positioned for. Um, for my first fifty clients, what I'm you know you know this we talked about this on a previous episode. It's it's guerrilla tactics, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not trying to be strategic about it. It's just a question of listing out enough activities that I have confidence in. If I do all the activities, I'll I'll, I'll end up somewhere near fifty at the end of things. Yeah, but for sure. personal introductions is is going to client referrals, or I should say introductions to other people who buy health insurance, individual health insurance from existing clients, and personal introductions, personal network introductions to people who buy their own health insurance are going to be. I believe that the just those two alone should be enough to get to fifty clients. Yeah. Cool. It's exciting. Like it's really, it's really simple. Like all you have to do is ask, Hey, do you know anyone who, um, needs, who, who already has individual health, who, who has individual health insurance already or needs help needs to find individual health insurance due to a recent event? 
Yeah, and I I wonder if people will even know that. Like if you if you said that to me, I might say I don't know. But if you said, do you know anyone who recently lost their job, got married? I don't know what the events are, but then I could be like, oh yeah, I can I can give you a list of seven people that I know that lost their jobs, right? Totally. Hmm. Awesome. That's a good I, one. I bet, yeah. I I, I want to um find. Yeah, I guess I am. To- coming back to your original question, I am totally discriminating unintentionally, but maybe it is sub subconsciously intentionally in favor of people who already have health insurance because there's so much easier to onboard. Yeah. But probably harder to find maybe not right now because you're doing the guerrilla tactics, but I bet it'll be a lot harder to build a, like you said, they don't, they don't experience the value proposition the same way. They, they, yeah, well, they experience a different value proposition and they're not the ones looking. The, The key difference is they are not actively looking for their problem to be solved. They sort of accepted that their problem can't be solved. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the other ones that you mentioned, they have a, a problem that they're actively looking to solve right now. Yeah. Yeah. You Which go is, from health insurance being the last thing you want to spend time thinking about to like, this is the number one thing on my mind until it's solved. And there's almost no in between probably. Yes. Yep. <laughs> there, there's, there's a few passionate people who are just like, so they hate their, they literally use the word hate. Uh, their broker and those people, when they hear about what I'm doing, they're like, uh, "Sign me up!" I, I've been wanting to fire my broker for the last ten years. <laughs> you know, that's a perfect segue into my next update, which is speaking of. Do you have anything else on that? No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Speaking of hating things, there's no business in the world that I hate more than the cable company, whether that's Charter or Comcast. Those are the two I've had or, to deal with or before. CenturyLink. I've never dealt with CenturyLink, but sounds like even worse from your experiences. Do you still have them? I have no choice but to have them. So that's when I moved into this building, you and I live in pretty similar buildings, like giant apartment buildings, like managed by a professional company. When I moved in, I could only get Charter or Spectrum. They kind of rebranded because everyone hates Charter. Um, So that was my only option. And I found out recently that I could actually, like a fiber company now offers internet in the building and I switched to it. And honestly, I can't tell the difference. Like any internet connection is probably fast enough that it doesn't matter unless you're uploading a lot of stuff. But ah, oh, the fact that I'm not going to give any more money to Charter just makes me so irrationally happy. I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for the for the world. I if I could uh, fire CenturyLink today, I would. Um, I certainly will badmouth them on this podcast. They are a terrible company, immoral. Um, and evil, and I will fire them the minute I move. Yeah. It's also who's the, new, the, who's the new company? Are they better? It's called Elite Fiber. It, they're definitely better, but in a very like folksy small business type of way. Like, I don't have an account with them, they don't have any account system. They literally build me with FreshBooks or, you know, some invoicing tool. And they're like, check this box so that it'll, our invoicing tool will automatically charge you every month. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, but we emailed them last Saturday just to be like, with you know COVID nineteen and stuff. How, like, do you need to come into our apartment to social distance? And someone called us like immediately, and was just you could tell it was just some person, some guy at his home that was just checking email and was like, oh, so here's what we do, and you know Bob will come by, and it's a very like small business feel, but like in a good way. All right, good, good. <laughs> That's which awesome. goes to show. I I always kind of thought one of the reasons these companies suck is this is like incredibly hard technologically and like it's super sophisticated and they're allowed to suck. Turns out there's this mom and pop company selling fiber for the same price. It's the same price as getting one tenth the speed from charter. 
can we go in? Like, I feel like this is a business that we need to fund. And yeah. like, I will throw money behind someone who like wants to, to do this in Salt Lake. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and then my other kind of like random business encounter last week, I held back. I was going to shit talk front last week. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> I had it on the agenda and then I deleted it because I was like, because I actually really like front. Front is a fantastic product, but I was having a d- problem with them where we have a compliance thing. It's not like a problem necessarily, but I had to delete a hundred thousand emails and it would have been no problem if the emails only lived in Gmail, but we use front on top of Gmail and I found out there is no way to bulk delete things in front. Um, You can like hold shift and select multiple emails, but it would have taken, you know, 50 hours to delete all these emails. Uh, And then when you delete them, they go into a trash thing. They never automatically get deleted. You have to then go in there and do the whole thing again. So I was emailing them and I'm just like, there has to be a way to delete data. Like this is a major compliance security privacy issue. And I was about to shit talk them. Anyway, eventually I found out a solution, which is if you say four simple letters, GDPR, uh, a European based company shits their pants because they think you're about to sue them for a GDPR violation. And they were like, oh, we'll delete the emails for you. Don't worry. <laughs> ah, is front, ba- ba- front isn't based in the, in the Europe, is it? I think they, uh, maybe they moved their headquarters to San Francisco. I believe they're a French company originally. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I could be wrong about that, but that's, that's what I thought. Either way, Even they have lots of customers in GDPR. They have lots of customers who probably are subject to GDPR. Yeah, absolutely. And, I wasn't even exactly threatening. I, I, I emailed them with the language was more or less, there has to be something. Would it work if I submitted a GDPR request? And they were like, I'm forwarding your email to, some, to like, they, they like escalated it immediately. And I'd gone back and forth with them like a dozen times. This, it's not like I hadn't tried before that. Those were the magic words. Just say GDPR and a company's going to give you what you need. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're not bad mouthing front, to be clear. You are just sort of saying it was a little bit of a rough experience, but they solved my problem. They solved my problem. I love front the product. I think they need to solve this in a better way, but right now I'm happy and I'm glad that we can keep using them. Cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love front too. Um, I, they've been really transparent. They're, they're a, they're not a startup to last company. They're definitely a venture backed company, but they have done a, a terrific job being transparent and sharing sort of their, their, their process. Um, and I've learned a lot from their CEO and founder, uh, Matilda, I believe is her name or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but she's, she's very transparent with her fundraising stuff. So if you are interested in fundraising, she's a great, go look at their decks. They're really good. Hmm. Cool. Um, the, okay. So kind of shifting to topics, I, I a new topic. I, the, I, I hesitate sharing this. And, um, if I say anything in this, that, I shouldn't say it. we have to delete it before we post, we, we publish this podcast, this episode. Um, but uh, I've been sort of reached out uh, f- to look at it um, from an old mentor to look at an entrepreneur opportunity with a, let's just call it a roughly a hundred million dollar business. And uh, it's interesting. I think I know what entrepreneur means, but can you, define what you mean by that? Basically, I uh, think of it as an employed entrepreneur um, within a larger company working on a, on a smaller division 
with far less, let's just call it um, bureaucracy to deal with within that unit, but still reporting up to the, you know, a CEO or a senior, senior uh, executive at the company. Um, separate, typically separate profit, separate, um, I'm using all kinds of terms. I, I would say separate P&L, meaning typically the finance, finances um, associated with the division are going to have its own accounting and its own budgets, um, its own net income, that kind of stuff. And uh, you're, you're basically trying to figure out a business, a new business for that business. Um, and, uh, you know, there are pros up for this and that you have, you know, a guaranteed paycheck. Um, you have uh, assets at your disposal um, from the, you know, the the, the company. Um, you may even have uh, existing, you know, work that's already been done uh, towards the effort that you could leverage. Existing team members. Um, the downside is um, you are a part of a larger corporation. Um, you have a boss. Uh, you you. Um, uh, you, 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 the upside potential is less, um, independence is less. Um, but, uh, you know, there are like anything, there are pros and cons. Anyway, it's, it's interesting enough, uh, without going into any more detail than that, that it's testing my conviction around leg up health and even like how much I believe in the startup to last mentality. Ooh, controversial. Yeah. So, and I, I'm not saying that I've, that I've gone one way or the other. I'm just saying it's, it's, I just want to share with you that it's, it's, I'm having this moment of, okay, how much do I believe in leg up health? And that's not, but it's not just that. How much do I believe in building a startup to last company? Can I ask when you say, believe in building a startup to last company, do you mean how much do you want to go through the process of doing it yourself or like questioning the actual tenants of startup to last and like questioning if that type of business should be started? In the it's, this, is, this is not a tenant issue. This is a timing issue and a practicality issue and a, really a question of opportunity cost. Yeah. Um, and so is it worth do I believe in an ideal world building a startup to last company is awesome? Absolutely. I will preach to you in ideals all day long. But I think this particular situation is is questioning my conviction around the practicality of a startup to last company for me right now. Yeah. And as a result, other people in other situations. So uh, I don't know where I'm going to end up on this, uh, but it's something I, I sort of hit an inflection point in the conversations today, actually where I need to put significantly more thought into uh, what I, wh where my, where I want to put my conviction. Where do things stand with them right now in terms of like, is this basically it's yours if you want it or you're s still several steps away and maybe wouldn't even get it if you tried? I get the impression. I would say it's, it's by no means guaranteed, um, but nothing is until, until it, you know, until the, you're well beyond where I am right now. Mm -hmm. I would say that if I decided that this, if I got conviction around this being the right decision for me, I have high confidence that something would work out. Gotcha. Not so guaranteed. what are the reasons? I mean, I can fill in, 
I can guess the reasons why this is so tempting for you, but financial stability primarily. The the primary one that I feel so financial, if I remove financials, because I, I do think that I can run calculus on that and sort of make a rational decision there without any sort of ideals. It's, it really comes down to, it's a real, I really, really like the guy and I believe that I could learn. It's a, it's an, it, I, I like the space and I am, and I could succeed in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, but most importantly, I really like the guy and it would present significant leadership growth and team building and relation, like all the things that I feel like I'm weak on. Yeah. It would you'd get to me- shortcut all like you'll, you'd get that eventually with like up health, but it might be years before you really start hiring people and get to be a CEO rather than a, a doer. Yeah. So this is basically like a, think of it as like, I'd basically be in a situation where I was running a company like people keep again, um, with much more like backing available. Um, and, uh, I won't, I won't say more mentorship, but very much different mentorship, more focused and, and relevantly experienced Mm -hmm. with, you know, business wisdom. This guy you're talking about, he would be your boss, the CEO of the company or something like that? Yes. Yeah, that's appealing. Um, obviously, I'll support you in whatever you do, but can I try to argue against it? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not quite at the point where I'm ready to like, let's beat up how I'm thinking about this. I guess what would be helpful for me right now, and I'll, I'll, I, I, I think this is something that's worth sharing on this podcast, um, but I have to be very careful about how I do it out of respect for the, for, for the situation and for mm-hmm. the person and the company. So what I need right now is help think how, on how to think through this. Um, so I can sort of progress on my own. And then I think I can come back to the podcast with here's, you know, with, I, I've thought about this a lot. Here's where I am. Beat me up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on how to approach that? No, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, well, I'm the way I'm going, going to do it is I'm thinking I just need to sit down and start writing and, uh, mm-hmm. thinking and meditating. I have some questions I want to answer. Yeah. It seems to me like just based hearing you talk, this would almost certainly in the short term be better. Like you, like we said, you'd shortcut a lot of work that you need to do to start your own business that probably you don't want to do right for, for good reason. Um, I don't know if you've like, how much does the long term matter here? It absolutely matters. I mean, I think, you know, why do I idealistically believe in startup to last so much? It's independence, man. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the core. Why? Like the, it's, it's the power to choose. And I, um, I, you know, while I could shortcut the, the sort of early days of that, I would never, and you know, in this opportunity achieve independence. Right. So if not, not that, I mean, certainly you could live a perfectly happy life and never achieve that independence. But if you were to say something along the lines of 
by a certain age or whatever, I still want that independence. Does this get you there faster through making more money so that you can fund yourself longer through getting more experience and mentorship or whatever? Or does it get you there slower because it delays starting the company that would ultimately be your path to independence? Is that basically you think yeah. the main the main decision I that, making? I, yeah, I I think it's a yeah it's chicken or egg type question. Yeah, like, do I do I? Yeah, you get it. And I I've, I I feel like a bit of the like one of my big dilemmas. I think if my experience at People Keep being an entrepreneur because I kind of was an entrepreneur at People Keep mm-hmm. that was. that didn't go well in certain cases. Um, I feel like if I could, I feel like I'd have a similar situation with maybe potentially better, a better situation, but I'm also scared that it's going to be just the same. So, I mean, eventually like it, it may not ever get as bad as some of the worst situations you had at people keep, but eventually, yeah, the, the company is going to have some kind of strategic initiative that conflicts with what you're doing. Like it, it could be quite a bit better, but it's not going to be, do whatever you want. If you're feeling stressed out, just opt it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I've often thought like, I, I'm really grateful that I started less knowing CRM at age 24. Um, cause I, th- it'd be a very different thing starting a business right now. And I would, it's easy for me to like talk about the startup to last ideals and stuff. I, I feel like Basecamp does this all the time. You listen to Basecamp's advice and it's all like, you should do this. You should do that. And it's like, well, yeah, you're making a hundred million dollars a year with like eighty percent margins. Like, fuck you. Like, it's very easy for you to say all that. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, that's tough. I think this is positive. So I, I was. It's all positive, right? I'm really lucky. I'm really gracious. This is amazing to even be like having a conversation like this. Um, but I do think it's going to. I think ultimately this is going to be a great exercise for me, and I, I either will. Um, choose to seriously evaluate this opportunity or I'm going to have significantly more conviction around what I'm already doing. And I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. In fact, it's probably what I need right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the, I mean, one of the, the things I, I really like this person because they, they challenge me. Um, one of the things that, that this person said to me was, um, you know, I, he, he, I'm in a, he, he observed that I'm in a stage of massive curiosity and very low conviction. And, uh, that is not conducive to, um, go, going from zero to 50 clients, 50 clients to 400 clients. Hmm. Um, and so I, I, I appreciated that him calling me out about that because I do think, um, that is what I needed to be called out about right now. And, I don't know. I, I have a feeling of where I'm going to land on this, um, but you know, I, I need to. I want to walk into it a little, you know, very open minded. Cool. Um, I mean, I'm happy to keep talking about this if I can be helpful. You feel like you you just need to go think about it, and we'll talk more next week. No, thank you for listening. And um, if you don't mind, just before publishing, just let's let's give that a listen and make sure I didn't mention anything. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty great. sure you, you seemed pretty guarded, so I'm pretty sure you didn't, but uh, I'll, I'll run it by you. Cool. Uh, yeah, everybody listening, because I'm going to leave this in there too. You're getting the real the real talk here, everybody. <laughs> we should, I feel like I should have one of those voice mufflers that makes my voice sound yeah. 
like it's not mine. Who who could it be? Rick left and this mysterious stranger came on. <laughs> um cool. If you want to do a deep dive on that next week too, we could definitely do that. Um yeah, I'd want to I'd want to figure out a deep dive topic that wasn't super specific and more of like a broad like how do you evaluate Yeah, that um, makes sense. an opportunity. So, cool. Cool. Uh one thing I've been thinking about is you're in the uh microconf like slack what's it called microconf connect or whatever the slack community right yeah oh yeah did you see their announcement about a mastermind thing um where basically they're they're not running the masterminds but they're just doing matchmaking it costs a little bit of money but not much uh have you did you consider doing it i looked at it and i was like oh that's smarter than to do my i've had such a good experience and i've had such a mix of good and bad experience extreme good and extreme bad experience with mastermind groups and the very best ones are people that come together naturally um and have sort of like a a sort of self-moderation to them and a strong leader uh pulling people together that i think the absent what i don't what i have i think that some mastermind groups that get formed as a result of this are going to be awesome i think others will be awful and i just don't want to pay 50 bucks to find out if it's one of those two things I don't know. I sort of said, yeah. uh, this is a good idea for them, but I'm not probably going to play. Gotcha. Yeah. For me, it's less about the, the money and more that I would feel bad leaving. Um, cause like you kind of blow up the mastermind group. If, if one or two people leave it, what you just said sounds like exactly, I, I, something felt wrong about it to me. And what you just said is you need a strong leader. They're not appointing leaders here. And since you, if you all know each other, it might be clear who's taking the lead. But in this case, yeah, I, I would be worried that everyone just shows up and is like, okay, who's, who's taking charge here? Yeah. And someone's got to moderate. Like it's, it's, um, yes, a strong, the best mastermind group I was in was in park city. It was a buddy of mine. They put it together. Um, and he helped, he set rules. He sort of, um, he, he held people accountable for not coming. Um, he made it easy for people to, you know, to participate. Uh, I I just can't, I don't know how that's going to play out. I think that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, because yeah, I, I was in a mastermind group last year, which we talked about a fair amount on the uh, podcast. What happened and with it, that? It just kind of fizzled. Um, one of the founders raised like a pretty big round. And I think just he was he, like, there were several meetings in a row where he just couldn't show up because he was like, I've got too much on my plate. And then. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I don't know that I got, I didn't get direct value out of it. And the reason was my problems are all self-imposed. Like all of the advice I got was, oh, well just buy an email list and spam it or steal your customer's data and sell. Like I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was all like do stuff you're not willing to do. Mm. And so it was probably not bad advice for someone else, but it didn't help me. I still really enjoyed just being a fly on the wall and hearing what other, I feel, feel like I learned like what are other founders doing, which was valuable, but it was like, was it really worth the time I was putting in and stuff just for what was more of a hobby than actually like, I wasn't walking away from it with like really good ideas that I went and implemented. Do, 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 we talked about this on the podcast last year, didn't we? Yeah. Like we did, in the yeah. earlier episodes. Yeah. I, I think I told you this at the time, but my experience with mastermind groups is, the, the, the really good ones are where people aren't giving you advice. They're They're asking you questions to help you mm -hmm. clarify your own, like your own problem. And rarely like 
if, if a mastermind group becomes a problem solving meeting and that like that you bring a problem and everyone tries to solve it, it's like, thanks guys. But like, you don't know my business. You don't have nearly right. enough context for this. It, it's, you know, I can, if, once I know my problem, I can go find a, someone who's talented at solving this problem and I don't need the mastermind group. It's clarifying the problem um, that mastermind groups really, really help with. That's fair. And I probably should have. So I, you gave me that advice. I brought that to the group and I said that, and they all were like, that's really smart. Let's do that. And I actually think that that is more or less what happened. But even still, there was just this disconnect where every other person in the group had raised venture funding. They, they were just not at all startup to last mentality. They weren't even bootstrapper mentality. Um, so even like the problems they were saying, when someone's like unable to separate themselves from, I am trying to maximize shareholder value, it's kind of like, we're just having two different conversations here. It's mean, still I, interesting. I, I'm, I'm sure you saw every one of their problems as the fact it was, the, the problem is that you raised venture capital. That was yeah, like the root well, problem you probably kept identifying. <laughs> and they were probably, you know, identifying a problem for you, which is the problem is that you're a startup last company. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was always translated through different terminology, but they're like, like several of them, they were having like real problems, like emotionally and stuff. They were like stressed out. They weren't sleeping. And I was like, just go half as fast as you're going. You're growing 20% month over month. Just do 10 <laughs> and you won't have any of these problems. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah, that might, maybe in that case, maybe Microsoft can, uh, micro Conf connect is the way for you and, or micro, you know, what do they call it? Masterminds. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. I think that you just have to go in it with a, I might have to be a leader of this. Someone's going to have to step as a leader. And, and if you're not willing to do that, you're kind of taking a crapshoot of whether or not there's someone in the group who's willing to do it. Right. Um, uh, I would actually still worry about that same problem with them, though, because just because you're bootstrapped does not in any way mean you're running a sustainable business. And mm -hmm. like the, the podcasts I listen to in that community, all people I respect, I learn a lot from. But when I listen to their goals, even though they're bootstrapped, they're still like definitely pushing for an exit. For the most part, they don't give a shit about their customers. They're like, I'm going to raise prices until the breaking point. Like I am just squeezing wealth out of my customers. And I think even maybe there's more of that in the bootstrap community, because if you raise money, you can be like very customer centric until you go public, basically. Dude, I, I totally agree with you. That's why we created the startup to last concept was we were like, we're not that and we're not that. It's mm -hmm. it's really um, the other term I've seen for it is stakeholder capitalism, um, mm. where it's it's basically like, yeah, but no, that's a good point. I you need to find, I think the best mastermind group are either people who are really good about like removing their bias from, you know, working, helping you work through your problem or which is rare or start other startup to last founders, which is very rare. Very rare. Yeah. And I'm probably not a good citizen either. Like I'm, I, I'm talking as if I'm judging them for not understanding me, but to your point, <laughs> I wasn't understanding them either. So it's, it's both ways. Yeah. Well, um, I'll let me know what you decide with that. And maybe I, I suggest you do it and let me know how it is so I can decide whether to invest my time in it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've already decided just from this conversation, I'm not going to, but, uh, <laughs> I, I will follow close. I'm sure they'll do a second round of this later. I'm definitely going to follow on the, the flip side of that is if you want to be paired with the best founders, you probably want to get in on the, the first round of this. Or the people, maybe the best founders are sitting out. I don't know. And watching. I guess by best founders, like 
one of the reasons I'm interested in the microconf community at all is there are there's kind of this in crowd that I'm neither of us are a part of, and I'm not sure there's any reason to be a part of it, but like uh, it'd be interesting to know people who are running like bigger companies. All all, all the founders I know are like the St. Louis startup scene just doesn't have anyone that's like doing working on the types of problems we're working on or ever has like you're not right now but you worked on much bigger problems at your last gig so my hypothesis is that um those people probably are not going to participate in this but i could be dead wrong um i i'd be interested like when you say in crowd it's i don't know if you remember but a couple episodes ago i talked about communities and how i'd figured them out that is all like you want to get the most out of the community you identify the in crowd and you focus on getting to know those people and you are instantly like a member of the community and you get the benefits of all their members because you're part of that crowd. Yeah. And it's uh, that is the strategy for maximizing value out of a community, but you got to do it in a mutually beneficial way. So I'd be like, I don't think my, my I don't think this mass, my masterminds connect thing is the best way to most efficient way to do that. Um, but I do agree with the idea of getting into the in crowd. Yeah. But well, to your Who's point, the, the in crowd, the in crowd's not even in that Slack group, really. I mean, they, they all have accounts, but they don't post. Who, so I don't know who the in group is. Uh, I could, I could be totally wrong about this. I just mean, I listen to a bunch of podcasts like this one, but you know, uh, Rob, I'm, I'm spacing out a name. Rob is the kind of main founder of microconf. And Rob, then I think his last name Rob Walling. Walling yeah. yeah. And then there's his co-founder, and Ben Ornstein are on the Art of Product podcast, and there's the Bootstrapped Web podcast, and they all clearly know each other. And I'll be honest, I don't, I'm not like trying to be friends with all of them or anything, but I am like, these are clearly people with a lot of experience and advice that if you could have a direct relationship with them would be pretty valuable. Totally. And that's typical of most communities is like there's some subset of people in the community that add the most mutually value to you. And the question is, how can you add value to them? And uh, I'm, I'm interested, like I'm interested, maybe let's, I'd love to figure out how to get in with micro, <laughs> with Microsoft. Did you do the, by the way, on this topic, did you do the, uh, uh, the, the, they did this thing where they match, make, did matchmaking, uh, like speed interviews, speed dating. Yeah. Like a networking thing. I did not yeah. do that, but it sounds I, like you did. I did. Uh, I enjoyed meeting every single person I met. Um, there has been very little follow-up, uh, in terms of secondary conversation. But if I saw those people again, I'd be like, Hey, what's up? Tell me about what, what you're up to. It was, you know, it was, I'm, I was glad I did it, but I didn't mm -hmm. walk away with a, man, I, I just made a new buddy out of this that I'm talking to regularly. Yeah. Although if you did it, how many people did you meet total? Five. Five. You could imagine if you did it five more times. So like if you had 25, 30 contacts, you pull one of those people and you're like, this person I really can tell I want to stay in touch with. It doesn't seem unreasonable to me that you had zero hits out of five, I guess. No. Yeah. And we had, I had a hit, but it's not what, not, 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 I didn't meet another Tyler like that. I'm like, like I'm not slacking with us with any of them, you know, on a weekly basis. I, I think that the next time I see them, I'll say hello. We'll remember each other and we'll, further the relationship, but yeah. there wasn't like a re good reason to like engage right away. Right. Um, I got this one point though, I, that I, what I want to make is one of the challenges with any community though, is there's typically like we experienced this at Panda labs, uh, for my group current days, 
which is uh, 30 days R- away from shutdown. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's still dying. It's not dead. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the uh, at Pando, there's typically some percentage of the community that is on high demand by all the other community members. Mm. And, and we called it, you know, the mentors in the community. And uh, one of the things we you, you have to guard against in any community like this is mentor fatigue. So I'm sure that um, the people who you probably most want to talk to are probably going to be the hardest people to reach because everyone wants to talk to them too, mm-hmm. um, which is, a, I think, a true issue in most communities. Absolutely. And I don't fault them for that at all, but it does. Like I went to years ago, the Business of Software Conference, which is basically microconf, like off-brand microconf as far as I can tell. Like it's the same people at it. And I was very turned off by the in-crowd vibe there. Like, it wasn't just that I couldn't talk to them. I didn't expect to. But they would go up on stage and they were telling, like, inside jokes to each other in their presentations. And they were like, oh, except, you know, so-and-so wouldn't do it this way. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? Can you explain any context around what you're saying here? I'm, I'm new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's the problem. I think what what what, what creates a, a long-lasting community is that insideness, that joking, that that thing. But it also alienates new, really good members. Yeah. And maybe communities just shouldn't be that big and it's fine. Like maybe I shouldn't have ever gotten into it. So (laughs) yeah, maybe microconf, it's a complete waste of time. Although I've, I've gotten value out of it. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what they're doing. I have too, but just over the last few, over the last year or so, I think they transitioned it from more of like a informal, this is a side project thing to like, this is a whole community with a business attached and tiny seed and all that. You do have to wonder if you, if you scale something up, which is what they're doing, does it still work as a community? It'll be interesting to see. Yep. But all right. We've probably rambled on enough about microconf here. <laughs> yeah. Anything else on your mind before we call it? Um, I don't think so. Did you have another topic? I'll just uh, save it for next week. Cool. All right. We'll talk all to right. you later. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.